Pathfinder is a game made for everyone, but is it the right game for you? Find out on this first ever episode of Rise of the Rule Lords. Welcome, adventurer, to the first ever session of Rise of the Rule Lords. My name's Pete, otherwise known as Dogs Not Gods Online. I will be your kind and benevolent rule lord as we undertake this quest to learn how to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yes, this is going to be an educational podcast to go over the rule set for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, learning how to play as well as GM. Am I doing this because I think that Pathfinder is a hard game to play or GM? No, I'm doing it because I hate reading. And this is a 638 page rule book. I think that there are probably other people like me who either don't have the time or energy to read or just have a lot of other things to do like work or drive or drive while working or working on their driving. This is a game I think people are going to both love playing and GMing. And I say that as a person who came into this game not really liking it. I was a first edition player and change was new and scary to me. But now I'm a GM for two different 2E groups. I'm a mod on the Pathfinder 2E subreddit. I've come up with a 1E to 2E conversion guide, homebrew weapons. So I really do put a lot of effort into this game and probably an ungodly amount of money as well. I have the deluxe version of the core rulebooks, all the Lost Omen guides, the modules, the adventure paths, the card sets, the bestiary cards, the bestiary pawns, all the other pawns, and none of this is to brag. It's a warning. So when I say that this is a game that you're going to enjoy, know that I came from the same perspective that you are now, someone who's new to the game and isn't even sure if they want to play it. And that's what this first episode is going to be going over. Some of you are probably wondering by now, what is a rule lord? You've said game master a bunch of different times. Isn't that the term that you should be using? Well, yes, game master is the term for someone who is running the game of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. But rule lord is also a term that I'm going to be using for the duration of this podcast. Why? Well, first off, it's a pretty obvious callback to Paizo's first adventure path called Rise of the Rune Lords. Paizo, of course, is the lovely company that made both 1st and 2nd edition, as well as Starfinder, which is basically Pathfinder, in space! It was also a missed opportunity, Paizo. It was right there for you to have your own trademarked version of Dungeon Master just for yourself, but now it's mine. TMTM, see in a circle, are in a circle, LLC.com. But it's also the term that I'm going to be using sort of as an antithesis to this idea of a rules lawyer. Someone who's happy to argue over the rules just to get a little bit higher in initiative order. Someone who will stop the game and ruin everybody's fun just because they want to be right. Rather, a rule lord is someone who's going to know to mix the rules as written with the rules as intended. They'll happily check themselves if they think that there's a call that might be ruining the fun of the game. In fact, there is only one rule for the rule lord that is placed above all others. All the rest of the book can be thrown aside for this one rule. It's so important that it was written on the first page of the first chapter of the cruel rule book. And it goes a little something alike of this. The first rule 
of Pathfinder is this game is yours. Use it to tell the stories you want to tell. Be the character you want to be. And share exciting adventures with friends. If any other rule gets in the way of your fun, as long as your group agrees, you can alter or ignore it to fit your story. The true goal of Pathfinder is for everyone to enjoy themselves. Or as I'm going to be putting it, don't let the rules rule you. That said, I am going to be going over the rules as written. No, I'm not going to read them verbatim. That would be super boring. And if Paisa wanted to get their own audiobook version of the core rulebook, well, frankly, they should be getting someone with a better voice than mine. Like No Nats. His voice is so sexy. I'm not going to be spitting any hot takes or anything like that. Like a top 10 list or saying, this rule sucks. I'm just going to give you some light commentaries, some resources, examples, things so that you can have these rules in your tool belt. I'm not here to tell you how to play. I'm here to tell you how to play. So some of you are probably wondering by now, what even is a Pathfinder and what makes 2nd Edition so special? So to understand that, we have to go back to the olden times, to the far-off year of 2000. I feel so old! Phones were bricks, cursive was an essential skill, and Leonard Nimoy was convinced that computers were going to kill us all. How could the omission of two simple digits affect the destiny of all humankind? It was a terrible, dark time indeed, but from this darkness, there was a light. A new tabletop roleplay game, rebuilt from a classic game. Dungeons and Dragons 3.0. It revolutionized the game with a new emphasis on character creation, a D20 system, as well as a completely streamlined rule set. Or so it seemed, there were actually a couple of issues, so Wizards of the Coast ran a new playtest, changed some things, and then like a phoenix from the ashes came Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 edition. And there was much rejoicing. But lo, it was not to last as a new foe, video games looked to corner the gaming market. So Wizards decided to take their tabletop roleplay game and make it more like a video game, but still a tabletop roleplay game. For some reason. And nobody really liked that. But a hero rode in, responding to the calls and cries of the masses. The previous publisher of Dragon Magazine saw the broken and discarded remnants of 3.5 and was like, hey, can, 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 we, can we have this? And the open gaming license was like, yeah, sure. That heroic company, of course, was Paizo Publishing, now just known as Paizo. They took the 3.5 rule set, ran a play test, changed a couple more things, created their own world, and thus Pathfinder was born. Set in the world of Galarian. Galarian. G-World. Pathfinder built on the foundations of 3.5, fixing more rules, creating new classes, and publishing even more content, outselling D&D proper for a time. 
From 2007 to 2018, Paizo published 21 rulebooks, 24 adventure paths, 61 modules, a beginner's box, and created a community play program called Pathfinder Society, which still goes strong today. But you can only do the same thing for so long, and first edition suffered from something called rules bloat. Things started to conflict. Some things just weren't appealing, and other things felt a little restrictive, like you had to have certain feats or items in order to progress in the game at all. Frankly, it was probably time for a change. Paizo had already tested out a couple of new concepts in a rulebook called Pathfinder Unchained, and had also created new rules in their recently published Starfinder, which had actually done very well. And so with a couple new ideas under their belt, Paizo created a new playtest and they went all out. They created a new adventure, a new character sheet, a couple maps, and even made a hardcover version of the rules. A deluxe edition as well. But this is where a couple of people kind of muddy the waters on 2E a little bit. You see, the playtest was intentionally designed to test boundaries. They really wanted to see what things needed refining, what stuff players liked, what stuff players didn't like. They pretty much threw spaghetti at the wall, which meant that there were some mechanics that people were not fans of. So if you look at videos that are talking about resonance points or horizontal character sheets, they're talking about the playtest, even though they're calling it 2E. So keep in mind, playtest, 2E. Very different things. But the thing is, Paizo listened. They weren't just like, y'all are being a bunch of mean dummy heads. Instead, they took the feedback from these YouTubers and podcasters, as well as weekly surveys that they released to the players, trying to find out what did you like and what didn't you like. And they made live changes to the playtest as it progressed. So when this massive and ambitious project finally came to an end and was released at Gen Con 2019, it truly was a game made for players by players. That game, of course, is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. While still a fantasy tabletop roleplay game at heart, just like Dungeons & Dragons, it's no longer in its shadow. While the main draw of 1st edition was that you could go between 3.5 and 1e, 2nd edition is its own unique game. It's a simple, complex game that gives you unparalleled access to choice. What do I mean by that? Well, there's simple and complicated rules, and simple and complex games to play. A game with simple rules is like Monster of the Week, a staple of the podcast Adventure Zone. The reason for this is because your character sheet is created just by checking boxes. You're never going to use more than two d6 dice, and really it's all narrative based, which is why that podcast chose to use it. You're not really bogged down by a lot of rules, and so it's really easy to just pick up and go. An example of a complicated game might be like Eclipse, which I'm not even going to try to explain because when someone tried to explain it to me, it took five hours and we hadn't even gotten around to playing it yet. Games can also be simple or complex to play. So a simple game might be like checkers. Everyone knows checkers. You just get to the end, you create a king, then you can start going backwards. Super easy. But then you have more complex games like chess, where pieces have different movements, where there's strategy involved, where some pieces are more valuable than others. 
It doesn't make chess hard to play, it just means that there are some more crunchy rules. So when I say that Pathfinder is a simple, complex game, that's not a contradiction. The simplicity comes from how plug-and-play the style is, how you can really understand something just once and you're going to understand how it works all the time. The complexity comes from the sheer amount of choices available to you, from the ancestry, the background, and the classes, as well as the amount of actions that you get to have during your turn. Pathfinder 2nd Edition also offers an unparalleled amount of unique character creation choices. At first level, you're probably going to make between 14 and 20 unique choices between your ancestry, background classes, feats, spells, skills, blah blah blah. But within those combinations, a YouTuber named Vest of Holding ran the numbers and came up with 3.7 trillion different combinations, meaning that at first level alone, you can be pretty confident that you have a character completely unique to yourself. But complexity, simplicity, choice, those are all very broad things to say about a game. So what specifically makes Pathfinder 2nd Edition such an awesome game that you should play? Find out after this brief interruption by the Wares Wizard. Haha, <laughs> what ho! An adventurer! Welcome! To the Wares Wizard! New to dungeon crawling, eh? Well, before you go off and getting yourself killed, be sure to come here for sponsorships and endorsements of products that will help you on your journey as a Pathfinder. Tis my solemn promise that any product exclusive to hunting dragons in dungeons or making square aprons out of razor blades and underwear will not be sold here. Everything in my shop eh, is adjacent to Pathfinder, like dice, third-party kickstarters, or bars of renown. Howdy, all. As a gift to you, here, take this. It's dangerous to go out alone without your PF2.tools. Yes, this handy compendium has everything for player and game master alike. Some of my favorites are tools to create items and creature stat blocks, as well as a very sexy 1e to 2e DC conversion terminal. <laughs> There's also links to character creators, podcasts, fan-made resources, apps, and more! The only thing every adventure should have on them besides a Wayfinder is the PF2.tools. <laughs> this one's on me, free of charge, a completely unsponsored endorsement. To return the favor, if you know of any merchants wanting to distribute their wares, have them send a fluffy back tick babbler to rulord2e at gmail.com. And a special heartfelt thank you to Mando, Alex, and Dennis for being early patron supporters of the podcast. Now the rest of you, take your PF2E tools and enjoy. And get out of here, you freeloaders! So we know what Pathfinder is, but what makes 2nd Edition so special, and why should you play it? Keep in mind that none of this is to say that you have to switch to or only play 2E. These are just reasons why I think you'll enjoy the system. Play anything that you want. The ultimate goal is to have fun, and the rules are a big element of whether you'll enjoy any game. This is true whether it's a board game, video game, sports ball game, or tabletop game. If there is a comparison to be made, I'll make it, but that's not to say anything is better or worse, just different. So to start, the first reason, 
that you should play Pathfinder 2nd Edition is... It's free! That's probably not the reason that Paiza wants me to give, but I think it's important for equity and inclusion. If you can listen to this podcast, you have everything that you need to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition without spending one red cent on books or dice. This is because Paizo struck up an amazing partnership with a website known as Archives of Nethys, N-E-T-H-Y-S. I'll just be calling it the Archives, though. It features every single jot and tittle from the rulebooks. You're not going to get all the flavor, and you're not going to get all the text to the adventure paths. You still have to get the Lost Omens guides or the adventure paths to be able to do that. But it does feature every single mechanic from those books. I'm talking classes, I'm talking spells, I'm talking feats, I'm talking items. Anything that has ever been published will be on there completely for free. You don't even need a subscription or an account. This means that you can try 2nd edition before you buy, and yes, I do recommend buying. Paizo makes really amazing books, lots of accessories, and it's just a really good company. The art alone is worth the cost of one of these books, and there's a lot of different ways that you can get them. There's PDFs, which are not only cheaper, but are constantly updated with any rules changes. There's also softcover pocketbooks, hardcovers with the nice fancy art, as well as special edition leather copies, which I get because I am a sucker for fancy books. So if you do have the money, please go support Paizo, but I also know that gaming can get expensive. I definitely know that gaming can get expensive. But if it's a choice between a book or rent, please choose survival, but just know that you can also have fun too. This next reason is the big one. It's the crown jewel of second edition, the meat and potatoes, the real reason that you are either going to love or hate this game. And that reason is the three action economy. To understand why it's so special, we need to look at how other games, especially 1st Edition, run their action economy. In 1st Edition, you had a move action, a standard action, and a free action. That's three actions too, but they were very restricted. With movement, you could only move. You could use it to do things like stand up or take a step, but it was only movement, meaning if you didn't need to move, that turn was essentially wasted. You also had the standard action, and this is where all the real stuff happened. The, the hitting, the spells, doing a feat, drinking a potion, all of that stuff. But you only had the one shot, meaning that if it was something that you were doing in combat, if you missed that shot, that was it. Granted, at later levels, they let you do more with the standard action, but essentially it was the same thing. Just one time, then you're done. There was also the free action, and while there were established rules for the free action, you got a lot of players wanting to slip a little bit extra into it so that they didn't have to use up that precious standard action. You could also forfeit all of that to do a full round action. This is where you didn't move, you didn't standard, but you got to do one big thing, a big spell, a big hit. But again, you got the one shot, and if you missed it, you were done. With Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you have three action slots. Every action costs between one and three actions, most costing one. Spells, for the most part, are two. As long as you have the slots available to do something, you can do it. So for example, the movement action called Stride costs one action, meaning you could spend all three actions just moving real far, real fast. 
The hitting option called strike means that you could hit a creature three times. There is a multiple attack penalty so that the more that you do it, the less valuable it gets, but you can still do it. That means that you could go bonk, 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 and that's your turn. You could also stride, then strike, then stride, or you could strike, then stride, then strike, or you could stride, stride, strike, or you could strike, strike, stride, or you could do all these different combinations with just those two actions. The thing is, though, there's 17 basic and 14 special actions available to everyone. On top of that, Ancestry's classes and feats give you additional actions that you can choose to use. Each one, again, costs between 1 and 3, giving you a huge array of things that you can do during your turn. If that sounds like a lot, it's really not. You'll probably use about 7 of the basic actions most frequently, and the others for more particular circumstances. But they're available to you, and you can use them however you want. And I know I said 3 action economy, but really it's 4 because of a thing called a reaction. In 1st edition, there was a reaction that everyone had called Attack of Opportunity. If you left combat or tried to go past a creature that could hit you, you could get hit outside of combat by that creature. That could be really fun, especially for martial characters if a creature tried to go past you, but it meant that for GMs, you really didn't want to move your creatures all that much because it could get taken out real quickly. Likewise, if you were a spellcaster or someone who was really squishy, you probably didn't move also because you really didn't want to get hit because they had a really good chance of hitting you. This meant that combat in 1st edition was very stagnant. You basically moved, then you kept on hitting back and forth until someone died, and then you moved again, and then you kept hitting back and forth until someone died. Not a lot happened. In 2nd edition, Attack of Opportunity does still exist. However, only certain classes get it, and only at certain levels. And only about 13% of creatures still have it. Instead, what most classes, as well as creatures, have are reactions, things that are set off, again, outside of their normal turn order, but only if that reaction is triggered by a specific set of circumstances. For example, the champion's liberating, liberating step, step is a very powerful move. It can help reduce the damage that an ally takes as well as give that ally a chance to step. However, it's only activated when an ally of that champion is within 15 feet of them, as well as if that ally is damaged, grabbed, or grappled. I know this rule very well, because I have a player who uses it all the time. Other reactions, like the Medusa's Biting Snakes reaction, only activate if a creature ends its turn next to the Medusa. These reactions add both strategy and freedom to combat during the game. It makes moving a much more viable turn, and should encourage game masters and players alike to really utilize the map space. There's a lot less for you to avoid, and sometimes, staying still just makes you a better target. This massive overhaul to how combat works completely changes the game. While roleplay is just as important a part of Pathfinder as combat, you're going to be spending about half of your time in combat. So you want it to be dynamic, you want it to be exciting, and you want it to be fun. And that's exactly what the 3-action economy provides. Earlier I mentioned how Pathfinder has a very plug-and-play style system. That comes from its use of feats, traits, and conditions. Feats are those weird things at the end of your legs, but also they're special powers granted to players. Each class has a table showing what kind of feats are available and at what level. So when you level up, all you have to do is look at that table, see what kind of feat you get, 
go select defeat and you're done. Plug and play. Traits are a set of keywords that are applied to just about everything. Spells, feats, equipment, what have you. They're sets of rules that don't need to be repeated all the time, but mean the same thing every time that they are applied. So for example, some weapons have the Agile trait, which reduces the multiple attack penalty. So if you find one weapon that has the Agile trait in a treasure chest, but maybe it's something you like a little bit better, maybe it has some runes on it, if it has that Agile trait, it does the exact same thing as another weapon that you might have that also has that trait on it. Very simple. Conditions are a set of penalties and bonuses that again work the same way every time whenever they're applied. So for example, if you get sickened from a spell and at a different juncture you get sickened by a potion, that sickened condition works the exact same way even though it was caused by different methods. Granted, the potion and the spell probably have a couple of other things that are unique to them and how they impact you, but the sickened <coughs> condition works the exact same way every single time. Some conditions also have numerical values to them. For example, if I am stunned one, I lose one action. If I'm stunned three, I lose three actions. Again, very, very simple. And that's the point. There's no reason to argue or rules lawyer. The traits and conditions are straightforward and apply the same way every time unless a more particular rule overrides them. And a nice, solid third reason for wanting to play Pathfinder is the power. That comes in two forms, criticals and proficiency. You've probably heard of the Nat 20, the critical hit. Well, we have those in Pathfinder too, but there's more ways that you can get them. The first way comes from the humble roll. If your roll plus your modifier is 10 or more of the DC of whatever you have to be, that is a critical success. So for example, if I have to be a DC 18 and I have a modifier of plus 10, if I roll an 18 and then add that 10 modifier, I have just gotten a critical success, even though it wasn't a natural 20. Of course, if I do roll a natural 20, it brings my level of success up one step. I know that's a little bit of a clunky term, but 99% of the time, that's gonna end up being a critical success too. The reason that that rule is there is because Pathfinder 2E has various levels of success. Critical successes, successes, failures, and critical failures. What that means all depends on what you're trying to do. If you're in combat and get them with a melee strike, that critical success doubles the damage. Whereas if you're doing a basic saving throw, you might have different effects based off of whether it's a success or a critical success. Pathfinder is a very balanced game, but there might be times when a little unbalancing is required. Say your players are talking to Asmodeus, the evil god of law. <laughs> well, Asmodeus' AC is 31, and your modifier is 10, meaning that even if you rolled a natural 20, the number never gets up to that 31 threshold. However, because you rolled a natural 20, it brings that failure up to a success, meaning that you just smacked Asmodeus in the face. The rules are, of course, inversed for critical failures. If you do 10 or less, that's a critical failure, or if you roll a natural one, that brings the level of success down by one level. But let's not think about that. You also gain power through the proficiency system. This is a way for your character to get naturally better at whatever it is that they do 
without you always having to improve on whatever special ability there is for your character. For example, say that you're an archer. You might feel inclined to take every single archery-based feat just so that you can be the best archer that you can be. However, with the proficiency system, your ranged attack rolls are going to get better every single level. That means that even if you don't take one archery feat, you're still going to be really, 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 really good at archery. So that gives you some freedom to maybe expand into stealth or diplomacy or medicine if you want to give your healer a break. Because of this natural progression, you're always going to feel stronger at every single level. A creature that was hard at one level is going to feel a lot easier at another. This gives you a very real sense of progress. There's one other additional reason that I want to give. It's not play related, but I think it deserves a mention. Pathfinder is a very progressive game. Now I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking socially. This game respects how different people use gender, and has characters of various sexual orientations. When you look at the art, a lot less people are Caucasian or male. When you see a woman, they won't be going into battle in lingerie. Even when female monsters are there, they're not just succubi. When you see a person of color, they won't be a caricature. The word ancestry and heritage was a big change from using race, primarily so that race, something that still impacts people on a very deep personal level, wasn't something that became gamified. Those words are also more accurate. We all come from somewhere and there's things that make us different and melatonin isn't the primary one. As Redditor Edaweir put it, Ancestry is a mix of your biology, history, culture, and personal quirks, representing both the ways that you've been brought up and the ways you developed your connection with your past later on. The addition of heritage zooms in on that past and the traditions you grew up with. It helps make the game more welcoming to everyone, and in the near future, even adding assistive items so that you can play as a disabled but equally capable character. For some people, these changes mean nothing. But for others, where representation means a lot, Pathfinder's got your back. So those are my big reasons. Uh, there's a couple more that I could probably go over, but those are the big ones. The three-action economy, the plug-and-play style, the power, and it's inclusive. So what do you think? Do you want to play? Do you want to know more? Our next episode will be a quick and dirty guide to playing, followed by a quick and dirty guide to GMing. But while you wait for those, I want to leave you with a couple of resources. While I love that you, a very special, beautiful person, are listening to this podcast, I am not the only source of Pathfinder knowledge, nor am I even the best. I'm choosing to cover a niche topic in my own way, but there's lots of other content creators out there doing the God's work. None of these people are sponsors, I just want you to be aware of them and to go check them out. For more education on how to play Pathfinder, I can't recommend how it's played enough. It was formerly called basics for gamers. The way I'm planning to run this podcast will be like your GM giving you advice. But watching Dave host is like taking a college course on playing Pathfinder. He goes into very detailed explanations on how the rules work, give examples, and even uses pictures. His in-depth analysis is second to none. So if you want to learn the game, go subscribe to him. But you know, you can still be subscribed to this one too. Collective Arcana is an absolute delight to watch and learn from. 
They'll teach you how to play, they have some hot takes, they cover third-party content, but what I really love about them is they just seem so wholesome and nice. It's like they will invite you over and then give you cookies and warm you up in a blanket. It doesn't even feel like they're talking at you, but they're talking with you like old friends, and I really enjoy that feeling. But you know, learning can be fun too! And there's no one who's better at doing that than no nat ones. He's basically the XP to level 3 for Pathfinder, specializing in skits, lists, reviews, hot takes, and everything else. But for rules learning, he's got this wonderful beginner guide series which helps people with their first level characters. First level is often where new people start, so this is a great intro from anyone from untrained to master level proficiency. Deadly D8 is also a really fun YouTube channel that makes cartoons of really fun and probably obscure rules. It gives you a nice appreciation for everything you might not have even known existed. Weasels bag of weasels, it's a big old bag of weasels, bag of weasels, bag of weasels, yeah. Other channels like Sir Vertigo, Venture Captains, and Tower of Tomes go into Galarian World, Galarian, G World lore, and the world of Pathfinder. I also want to recommend the channel Q Times, spelled like how the Brits use it. They have a really good video series covering the classes and looking into each one of their abilities, describing how it's used, and when it'd be useful. That's a lot of video channels, but you came here for a podcast, and there are some really good ones out there too. No Direction Podcast specializes in news, reviews, and interviews of all things Paizo. They're not set out to teach you how to play, but you'll learn a lot about its development from the Paizo staff that frequently go on there. Dice Don't Die also has a deep dive series into all the 2E classes. You have no idea how many takes it took me to say that. Their class series is probably why I won't be going into any class-specific episodes in the near future, because they already did it so well. Go give them a listen. My guess is that once the classes are done, they'll go into the Ancestries because they have some very strong opinions about goblins and humans. Finally, the podcast that inspired this is Trailblazer Academy, formerly known as Pathfinder Academy. This is another rules-based podcast helping you learn how to play Pathfinder 1st Edition. However, they just got into starting to cover 2E stuff, so they'll be a great resource for you as well. Of course, there's an amazing community out there for you as well. The Pathfinder 2E subreddit and the Paizo forums are great places to talk to people about any questions you have, to see cool new content made by people like you, and speaking of Paizo, they have a great YouTube, live stream, and Discord to join, so go give them a bump too. Before you go, it's time for the Rule Lord Ruling. This is a segment where I'll act as judge, jury, and, I don't know, stenographer of your Pathfinder Rules Disputes. If you have a dispute you want settled, go to Twitter, tag me at RuleLord2E, and use the hashtag RuleLord to summon me to look at your case. Our first case comes from Paralyzed in the Pacific Northwest, who asks, When my group encountered a basilisk, my GM hit me with the petrifying glance reaction while I was still moving to attack. I failed the save and lost an action to the slow condition. When my turn started, he said I was still slowed one, even though it says I regain an action at the start of my turn. This was a big deal since staying slowed allowed the Basilisk to petrify me. Who's right? Before I give my ruling, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. 
Rise of the Rulers uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated under the Paizo Community Use Policy, paizo.com slash community use. We're expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Rise of the Rulers is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. or Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Everything in this podcast was an endorsement because I really like the services they provide, but not an endorsement of any other views they may espouse if they go to the dark side. The theme for this podcast was made by Dragon's Music, who was a true pleasure to work with spelled with an E-N at the end. Other music also provided by Tabletop Audio. If you want to help me out and get a couple cool rewards, you can do so at patreon.com slash rulor2e. I also have a Twitter account at rulor2e. If you have a product and would like to sponsor this show, email a request to rulor2e at gmail.com. In other words, find me everywhere at rulor2e. Now, court is back in session. You are both wrong in different ways. Your GM shouldn't have hit you with the petrifying gaze mid-move. The reaction states the trigger is any creature the basilisk can see at the start of the creature's move. So moving into the basilisk site wouldn't have triggered the reaction, only staying where it could see you before your next turn would. Secondly, if the condition has been properly applied, yes, you were still slowed. A major rule for Pathfinder is the specific overrides the general. The slowed condition does say that you regain an action at the start of your turn. However, Petrifying Glance causes a creature to be slowed for a minute, a specific rule which overrides the stated effect of the slowed condition. Sentence! Player has to give up a hero point, and the GM has to give it right back. I was the GM in this case. I did a bad. So, did you learn something? Did this episode persuade you to try Pathfinder 2E? Let me know on Twitter at Rulor2E. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast to get more episodes. Until next time, remember, don't let the rules rule you. Oh, uh, you're still here. Well, since you're here, let me talk to you a bit about Patreon, because this is also the only time that I'm going to talk about Patreon. Yes, I do have a Patreon, because that just seems to be a thing creators do nowadays, and plus, yeah, extra money would be cool. That said, I do have a day job, I'm not planning to quit my day job, and I like my day job. So while other creators say that they can't do something without your patronage, I can. I am doing this simply because I love this game and I want more people to learn how to play it. That said, if you do insist on throwing money at me, I hope that my Patreon rewards are adequate compensation for that. First off, I'm going to be creating Modules of the Month. These are completely free guides, Paizo crack legal team that you'll be able to use on Pathfinder 1E modules to convert them into 2E games. I'm also going to be producing bonus episodes that are outside of the community use policy. These are going to be reviews, hot takes, maybe just general life, maybe even interviews if someone wants to talk to me. Those will be going up about once every two months. I also have show shoutouts, where at various levels you can either be mentioned in the show notes or by the Wizard, depending on your level of patronage. 
And finally, I offer message cantrips, which is where at qualifying tiers, you'll be able to send a message out to a loved one or a game group or even do a little self-promotion that the Wes Wizard will read aloud on the podcast. I'm still going to mention Patreon at the end of the episodes just to tell you what module's coming out, what bonus episode to expect, but that's pretty much it. I don't want to put a lot of time or effort into it. That said, Patreon is secondary to what I want to accomplish with this podcast. While the extra money is cool, what I really want is for people to learn how to play this game. I want to see it become more mainstream. I want more players and more third-party content because there's an audience for it. So if you know someone who is either on the fence about 2e, maybe playing 5e and wants to expand their horizons, or just someone that you want to torture with my kazoo-like of a voice, please share this podcast with them. That is so much more beneficial than giving me money. But money is appreciated too. And you know what? If you listen to this episode and you're like, I hate this man's voice, go listen to the other people. Learn from them. Support them. Patronize them. Or patronage them. Don't patronize them. They're nice. Any one of them will help you learn and grow as a Pathfinder player or GM. And that's the ultimate goal. Learn, play, have fun. So uh, that's it. That's the actual end of the podcast. So uh, until next time, don't let the rules rule you.